But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Hello, and welcome to episode 13 of Anti-Folly. My name is Sam Connington, and I'm joined here with Ethan Sampson. Uh, yeah, so before I get into it, just want to remind our viewers that we have a email now. You can check us out at antifollypodcast at gmail.com. No hyphen, just straight up. And then we also have an Instagram, which is currently inactive, but I swear it will be active soon. Haven't posted in like a month. Anyways, that is on Instagram and you can check that out at antifolly. Yeah. Big plugs, bro. Big plugs there. Exactly. So feel free to follow me on it. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, it's been it's been another another long period of time since an episode. Not as long as the first break we had. Yeah. But it's been a couple weeks. Yeah, I was even thinking we could call this one the return part two. But <laughs> yeah. I don't think we should. <laughs> no, we don't need to overhype the return again. Yeah. So uh, kind of the approach that we're taking um, now is you're probably going to see less episodes as frequently. Um, sometimes you might, but it's they're going to come out when we're convicted and when something comes upon our heart that we really want to talk about, something that's really serious. And that might look like maybe five episodes in one week. Highly doubt that. No. But it might look like once a week or it could look like once every like three weeks or something, but we promise we'll try to get some stuff out. Um, yeah. Just trying to be prayerful about it and truthful about it. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, f- I think we found ourselves honestly, like feeling like we had some requirement to post mm-hmm. something, things, post episodes that I think we probably could be more proud of if we would, were able to take more time to prepare our episodes mm-hmm. and get our thoughts down. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, like I think I would probably point to the last episode we did the return is one of our better episodes. Mm-hmm. And I've heard that from, from people, which I'm really thankful for. Mm-hmm. Um, just that you could tell that we took the time to the behind the, the scenes stuff to make the episode good. And I think that we want to be proud of what we put out. So that's kind of, it's not because, you know, I mean, we're also busy, but like, yeah, this is something we enjoy, but want it to be good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I feel like when you do a podcast too frequently and and it can kind of become more of a grind, it can kind of become more of a job, and this is definitely not a job right now. Well, we're losing money off of this, really. Um, And also, it's like if we feel like we have to just do a topic a week, it's not going to be a great topic every time. And also probably going to have to just say stuff to be provocative to make it interesting versus actually being truthful. So in a sense, it could be the great creator of folly if we feel like we need to just put stuff out there to put exactly. stuff out there. So exactly. So yeah, kind of, I guess kind of to get into it then. Um, today's uh, episode is going to be about identity. Um, now, that's a pretty broad subject to, to kind of narrow it down just so you're prepared for what's to come is 
we're going to focus on the individual's identity, you know, as human beings, where we put our identity in, um, things like race, ethnicity, culture, history, groups, everything, and really the big folly that comes along with, with that and, and where value of the individual comes from and also the Christian response to such issues. So I don't know, Ethan, if you want to start. Yeah, I mean, I think that this, uh, when Sam, Sam brought this topic up to me, and so um, this is something that I was like, oh, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. This is something I think really starts, you know, kind of the advent of COVID. You know, COVID's, COVID comes, comes along, and there was just all of this stuff about um, all the stuff I've heard. And this is from my perspective, you know, things about critical race theory, um, different things that are really focused on the identity of groups um, and the importance of race and gender and um, these types of things and and how they influence everything. Mm. Um, and that's like the, the key thing is that this, this identity is, um, identities like that is it, it influences how you how you act in society or how you view, you know, your actions and the actions of Mm -hmm. others. And it's kind of interesting because especially a lot of those, you know, critical race theory and um, other, I mean, really leftist Mm -hmm. identity ideologies, Mm -hmm. they not only put identities on themselves, you know, on different groups that they're parts of, um, but also they put that on, they put those identities onto other people and put them into other groups as well, mm. which is interesting. Yeah. I think kind of point to something you're kind of touching on is this idea of identity politics, which it's definitely something that's heightened in, in the last few years. I would say like the last few decades for sure. Kind sure. of the, the modern, I guess, postmodern progressive era of, you know, political polarization and all of these things that we like to talk about that are buzzwords. Um, it's, to me, at least from a historical perspective, it's it's quite clear that identity politics has, you know, existed in some form throughout history. Um, even predating, like, the modern development of, like, the nation state where you put your, where you identify with um, your country, you know, mm. deeply coming out impact, of the medieval Would period. you impact that? Like, previous to that? What? Like what was I, I would say it's on, it was on a smaller level on um, like okay. legit tribes. Like if you look yeah, at sure. like, okay. like the, the tribe of Israel and like, obviously there's great value in your cultural identity, you know, like your, your heritage and all those things, there's value in that, but it's to what point you place that value upon it. And also it's to what point you put your identity itself into that. Because it's like, mm-hmm. I could look at, I could look at you, Ethan. I'm like, you're white. Um, what's, what's your, what country is your family from? If you could name it. I know I should know, but I don't. You don't? Know. Okay, Frick. Okay. Which makes I'll me use mine. really, which I would say makes me very white. Yeah, that's true. But please. Um, I am very English. My last name is very English. Um, come from Sussex in England. Um, I could put all of my identity in, um, if I dig, dig back far enough to the Britonic tribes in England, assuming I wasn't just a descendant of Roman colonists. Um, I could put all of my identity in that group of people 
and I could say, you know, who I am as Sam, the individual, is is formed by that ang- English background. But that doesn't account for the fact that I exist as not just an English person, but as an individual. I'm not just white, I'm Sam. In the same way that you wouldn't look at like African Americans or white Americans or any other group, you wouldn't look at them and be like, oh, they aren't this single monolith, right? They have individuals within them who do not think the same. And what identity politics does is it takes those individuals, it puts all of their value in their racial, ethnic identity, their culture, their heritage, everything. Everything's influenced by that, which like, yes, a lot is, but not everything. And also they put the value of the individual in those things to the point where if you're black and you don't think like how you're painted to think, you know, a great example is Candace Owens. I personally don't like her politics that much, but she's an amazing example of a black person that doesn't think like the prevailing social narrative, what every person thinks black people should be thinking. She doesn't vote Democrat. She doesn't think this certain way. She's an individual. And, mm-hmm. you know, kind of looking at identity politics, putting all of our identity into a group, it discounts the individual and the value that's in the individual. So are you saying that American individualism is a good thing? Um, Depends on the application, but yes. Okay. I think... Like the the idea of liberalism and identifying the intrinsic value in the individual and really like classical liberalism, things coming from the enlightenment, you know, the idea that you're, you as an individual are of value because you're made in the image of God, things like that, you know, those are, those are ideas that hold value and they hold biblical value. Mm-hmm. And well, Yes, there's value in your heritage, your genealogy, all of these things. You as the individual in the present time are not solely identified with that. You're not, your sole identified identity is not being white. It's so much more. And that's what, that's what the gospel tells us. That's what the Bible tells us. And yeah. Yeah. What are some real tangible right now? examples of because i mean we're, we're talking about something that we're saying especially more specifically you know identity mm-hmm. politics but what comes out of that you know viewing identity in groups putting mm-hmm. all of your identity in groups like that where what are some right now tangible some, examples some of examples that? i guess i could speaking from experience um growing up in liberal protestant denominations um the there's just prime examples where we would have someone to our to our church who is African American or they're Latino or whatever, and we would give what they're saying value solely from their identity and not based off of what they're saying. We would give credence to ideas and truths just based off of the person holding those views rather than what they're actually saying. And I think that has application in terms of how you view how you view the individual, you know, like we're talking about. And um, I think another example that I can think of, um, not to get too controversial, um, UCB. You should say what UCB is. Uh, United Cultures of Bethel. Um, it's a organization that is a it's a department's branch of um, 
Bethel Student Government here, so it's it's funded by student activity activity funds as well as other funds. That our come, money it comes our from our money. money. Yeah, it comes from <laughs> it comes from that. And you know the name name sounds pretty good. Yeah, you know United Cultures, but at least from my experience, um, talking with and attending events and and working with the last two executives, uh, doesn't really seem like. I guess the element of united, the word united isn't really there. I think it's just cultures of Bethel is probably a more accurate name because there's a unity sure. really. There's there's an an idea of what black people should think, what white people should think, what Latinos should think, and then they broadcast that opinion. Um last year I attended an event with Ethan and UCB put it on with student ministries, which is a ministry branch of BSG. And they had a bunch of people get up on stage with really not really different opinions. They all thought basically the same things. And then they would make these great statements on pro-life people, on conservative Christians, on liberal Christians, and they would make them without having people of those, you know, belief structures at the table. They would be talking about pro-life Christians and not a single yeah. pro-life Christian would be there. They'd be talking about uh, Trump Trump supporters. They No one up there was a Trump supporters supporter. And they called the dialogue. Um and I made a few comments on Instagram, basically attacking it as not being an example of dialogue because they didn't have people at the table who thought differently. And they really were just going off on of monologues, um, expressing ideas without, you know, having any credence to what they're saying. They're just like, oh, this is what these people think. And would totally just, um, what's the mm. term? I'm trying to think of a term. It's um, straw man. They would just straw man it. They'd be like, well, all these people think this thing. No one actually says it like that. But yeah, here's why the, the big one that really was really difficult for me was that anyone that's pro-life doesn't care about babies after they're born, mm -hmm. after they're out of the womb. Which is obviously, if you've watched other episodes, um, not believing in a cradle-to-grave um, welfare state obviously means you hate babies, right, Ethan? Yes. Just okay. kidding. That was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, I think that it's worth saying from that, just that experience this i think this is kind of secondary to our main idea about identity but mm -hmm. it has to do with the, the way that if so if you the application exactly mm -hmm. if you view identity as being a part of a certain group mm -hmm. then when you you say we want to gather a group of people for dialogue you go and you find a black student and you go and find a female and you find a dude with a beard and you find a dude with glasses. And a white dude. Yeah, they're white dudes. You know, like, it, you, it's, it, you go and find people that look diverse. And they're diverse in their identities if the identity is... Lacking of the individual. Yes. If, if it's really you're just pulling people from different groups. And, but because these groups all need to think the same things, say the right things, mm -hmm. you're pulling people that all essentially th thought the same thing. So someone would say something outlandish. That's just not, that's just not fair to say about people that are pro-life. Mm -hmm. And there was no one up there saying anything about it. And it's like, man, a dude we're at Bethel. A we're dude Bethel. literally said, um, I don't believe that the Bible is the word of God and no pushback. No pushback. So, I mean, that kind of just speaks to the lack of true diversity. And that's something I'm going to, I'm going to go into. Um, so yeah, I, commented on that disagreeing with it and the with the event and how it was put on and i had a meeting with the 
what was last year's um, executive um, director of use United Cultures, Bethel, and she was asking me about how why I didn't like UCB and the events I attended, and I talked about I attended an event called Being Black at Bethel, and I didn't like it because they only had left-wing black people expressing their opinions, and I didn't think it was helpful. I thought it was actually really almost racist and almost very harmful and stereotyping black people by not providing more than just this popular perspective that, you know, white people like to paint black people as believing. And her response to me was, well, the point of UCB events isn't to present, you know, dialogue or to present, you know, different ideas. It's to present one single unified idea. And the Mm -hmm. irony is the event I had gone to, and she said that about the the event we went to was called One Body. And the the kind of the idea of it that they put on the posters is uh, uniformity, not conformity. Um, I don't know if they are confused, but apparently they think those are synonyms, despite what the thing says, because they were very much practicing conformity by only presenting one one worldview at events. And... Yeah, so I, I, not to beat a dead horse, but I think that's a good a good example of you know very much like a Christless perspective on identity that your identity as an individual comes from the group that you are part of, and whether or not you have any credence to your arguments comes from which group you belong to, and that's just yeah. not truth seeking. That's not that's not an example of biblical justice, biblical truth. Biblical identity. It's not it's not an example of any of those things. So Yeah, and I I mean it just hits I think it hits home and it personally, I think a lot of times it's hard to see people so like encumbered by their this identity that's put on them mm-hmm. that like because I'm a woman, I can't do such and such a thing. I'm never gonna make as much money or those types of things and and I think it this this is a large larger cultural thing is it a lot of those types of identities that people are being burdened with that aren't true they they create victims of these people because these people fall prey to believing these mm. things you know I don't think everyone's just you know out here thinking that their identity this identity is the best thing you know especially if you start to look into, you know, Marxist views mm-hmm. of, you know, and um, critical theory of, you know, oppressor and oppressed classes, um, it's a lot of people that think that they're oppressed by virtue of of this identity. And th- I, th- I think that just contributes really, I mean, it's just really sad and mm-hmm. it can really degrade those people and kind of push them away from... Um, larger opportunities and things like that. So it's just, I mean, that stuff's just sad, you know, to see that and feel like, man, you really, and I guess I think some people won't even take what I, I'm saying really seriously because I'm a white man, you know, that like, it's like literally, it's, yeah, literally even it, what I say now is, isn't going to be taken super mm-hmm. seriously because you're, someone's putting their, you know, what they perceive me to be, put mm-hmm. this identity on me and how, how no matter what I say, I apparently I'm just trying to keep power to myself. Yeah. And what I'm was just saying is that I think that people I think that people are being unnecessarily burdened by 
identities mm-hmm. that put them into certain groups that they can't break out of because it's literally how they look and who they are mm. that it, it just, yeah, it victimizes them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like it gets into a whole other like can of worms where you get, you start like start seeing a need to have diversity simply because, because it's good. It's popular. I think Bethel is really a victim to this. Most schools, honestly, most schools. Yeah, like their diversity inclusion thing. Like they have a really big push. They want to increase the BIPOC student population here, things like that. And it's just like, is like God's community is diverse. God's kingdom is diverse. That's a fact. And that's beautiful and that's great. And I, I I want that. But I don't want that if it comes at the cost of true diversity. If, I don't want that if it, if it means I'm going to meet a bunch of black students, but all of those black students are all going to think the same. Or I'm going to have a bunch of professors, and I'm going to have like maybe five more like black professors, but all those black professors all express the same ideologies. I, I just don't care. Like I really, there's no value in that. There's no value in everyone looking the same and thinking the same things. And there's sure as heck no value in pretending that people looking different somehow makes it diverse when they all think the same exact things. And I think organizations and places like, like UCB and really some stuff that's more on the liberal Protestant spectrum, I think they, they actually encourage insulation and victimhood and just a neglect of the diversity of the individual. And I would really stretch and I'd really love to have conversations. And actually, if if you're listening to this and you're part of those organizations, I really, 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 really want to have a meal with you and sit down and have a conversation. I could be wrong. And I'd love to talk about this. And also you could be wrong. Still, I want to talk about it. And I think this is an important discussion. But I think that that really these these organizations that kind of seek to to lift up and help minorities i think they actually end up hurting minorities and ultimately they really just damage the biggest minority of all which is the individual ooh without some bars or you know at the it's end like there. it's like i know tons of people that are students of color at bethel that don't like ucb they won't walk into the cultural connection center because they know they don't think like how they're supposed to think as a black person because they go to UCB events and they see only a left-wing perspective being preached, being told that they're a victim, all this stuff, when they don't believe they are and they don't agree with those views. And that's that's the issue, you know? Like, this was supposed to be news um, in the Clarion, but UCB has actually been thinking about leaving Bethel student government because they don't want their role to be educating students anymore. Um, They put it in this way that it's not the job of the oppressed to educate the oppressor. It's the job of the oppressor to do their own research. And I think that's just a a good example of of them only being cultures of Bethel, but not united cultures of Bethel. Because if they really cared about truth, if they really cared about 
being a, a legitimate branch of BSG, they, they'd seek to educate. And if they're finding issues in doing that, maybe it's because they're not doing it in a Christian way and maybe because they're not doing it in a truthful way. Um. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I think... I. I think that I, something I've been learning recently um, just in some conversations with one of the brothers at church mm. um, is just how nuanced I think things are. Mm. And so I'm, I think, no, I think I am not trying to under, you know, remove or erode anything that you're saying. I think that, there is one group that we have to make room for and 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 one one group identity if you really want to call it that mm. that we that I think we have to make room for and that's being united in Christ that's really a true unity mm. this kind of united cultures of Bethel that would be a true unity as if all of the cultures were united in Christ I think if you if you aren't seeking unity in Christ, you're seeking unity in any sort of group identity that you're not going to find that. Mm. And I think that that's, that's to the point that there are individuals who feel ostracized by group identities because they don't conform to that, mm. to that identity. And that's the beauty of the work of Christ. And it's important to stress how good and how, merciful he is in doing this that he sends his spirit into our hearts and he transforms us to love and to seek good and to love God and to love our neighbor so that we are actually truly unified through his spirit and actually have um, this true unity that I think we're seeking in other places and so that's what's another hard thing about things that are going UCB United Cultures of Bethel and other things more um, culture wide mm -hmm. is that it's not seeking unity in Christ it's seeking unity in something else mm -hmm. and and so you're not going to really capture this unified diverse group you're only going to capture um, segmented you know, victimized groups that only can think one way mm -hmm. and you see this all over as soon as someone that's in that group says something they're not supposed to say, they're out. They're out of the group, you know? Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter what they've done for, you know, saying the right things. If they say the wrong thing, they're going to get canceled. And we've, you know, talked about that phenomenon as well. Yeah, we, we talked about that. And, it, and the stem of it is all groupthink. And credence, you know, value in what someone says based off of identity rather than truth or seeking what they say that's whether or not it's, it's right or not you know it's not objective it's it is objective but the objectivity is weighed solely in who's saying it which is stupid it's it's like we used to do that with white people you know you go like the racist slave days in the south your value is in you you have value not because anything you did but because you're white you know yeah. you're white you know what you're saying is better than what that that other person saying because they're not white and you're white. How is that any different from saying someone has value because they're black and you don't have value what you're saying because you're white? 
I thought Martin Luther King. I thought W.E.D. Du Bois. I thought all these different civil rights activists made it pretty clear when, when they focused on truth and the fact that your identity, your race, your identity, nothing matters when you're, when you're making a statement. Like your, the value of your opinion comes from truth, facts, and mm-hmm. whether or not what you're saying is actually right. Well, it's so interesting because I'm forgetting exactly where I've heard this. Mm-hmm. Actually, I do remember that I've heard this. I've been reading this book. It's called um, The Color of Compromise. And it's basically, I would, I would explain it as a sort of historical narrative. So he's taking history and he's writing it in such a way as to show racism and in America and the complicity of the church and those, these types mm-hmm. of things. Which is true. You know, like there's and, yeah, huge, there's a lot of yeah. really good stuff in there. And I, so I don't want to say that it's all garbage. I definitely don't want to say that. There's some mm-hmm. things that I'm like, man, this is interesting. Like he says that like the KKK is a Protestant group. And I was like, hmm, I haven't heard that one. But I obviously, I'm not... They they Super. hated Catholics, but like. Anyways, yeah, no, that's yeah. yeah. I just thought that was an interesting thing, but <laughs> one thing that he he said, I was reading this just a few days ago. He basically says that there's all these people now that think they know Martin Luther King because all because they can quote, you know, when he says, "I have a dream that one day my children will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character." And he, he's basically saying that that's not what, you know, that's not all. He, and some of this is fair. He's saying people take out the radical things that Martin Luther King oh, yeah. said. Dude was a commie. I mean, like, like he said up. some, he said some crazy things and yeah. I don't know how it's really up in the air. I know people that think very different things about him, <laughs> but I think that to just, uh, to you just be like, oh, you know, you're quoting this one good thing from him, but you know, because you don't, you don't stand for everything that he stood mm. for. Then blah, 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 yeah, bro, blah. He slept with his wife. So nothing <laughs> he said could have any value whatsoever. What's so uh, some of that stuff is just like, yeah, some of that stuff is really what, hap- what his life, you know, I don't know if he was a really good person or not, or all of these different things. But I do think that when he said that he meant that and that, there's a reason that that was such a monumental mm-hmm. and important speech. And that's what he chose to say. And it's just interesting because it's all about contextualizing that phrase with him now in, in changing what he meant by that, because what he was talking about was equality mm-hmm. and equality, I think breeds this sort of unity. Mm-hmm. And I think it also invites diversity if it's true equality. Yeah. Um but now it's now it's not about this equality, it's about, you know, equity. Mm-hmm. And um I think that can be that can be problematic and dangerous. Yeah. And how it's how that's achieved, especially because that's ex- achieved by looking at external factors, you know, what's the color of someone's skin mm-hmm. and these types of things that it really depends on there's more to an individual than, you know, how they look. No you know, way. The way that a li- the lived experience of one black person is not the same as another. What? Nor is the lived experience of a white person. No way, dude. That's the same as another white person. Exactly. And so, and I, and I will say, you know, also you have to concede, not concede, it's true, 
the lived experience of a white person might not be the same as a, a black individual, their lived mm-hmm. experience, whatever lived experience means, you know? It's yeah. Like, so that's another thing. We give too much value to lived experience. Oh, definitely. But there is value in it. Like perspective is really important. I think perspective is really great. That's why we watch movies. That's why we read certain books. That's why we read stories of like immigrants mm-hmm. of different groups, of people that have very different experiences from us. And they're really great, but perspectives are only really valuable in so far as much, in so far as much as they perpetuate the truth. And that's that's the important thing because what 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 often is the case in a in a folly based way of viewing things is to look at perspective as automatically being a signifier of truth. We're talking about race. You're a person who is a non-white. You had this experience. Thus, this is true because you are non-white. So surely that gives you credence on what you're saying. A lot of times that's the case. A lot of times it is the case. But what if it isn't? What if what they're saying isn't true? What if what they're saying isn't reflective of the truth? And that's why, you know, as Christians, you evaluate things based off of the truth. So your your the value of it doesn't come in simply the experience, but in the experience in so much as, as I said, it reflects the truth, and that's that's the most important element. Um, yeah. Do you have anything else to add about that? No, I think I think that now as we kind of, I think we've laid out a lot of you know, yeah, our thoughts on this this topic. I think now is really trying to hammer home the our convictions and the mm-hmm. solution about this. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which I just, uh, I think I've maybe even said this on the podcast before, but I, I want to say it again. I, I'm continually struck more and more that the Sunday school answer is almost always the right answer. Mm. And I'm not saying like, Oh, you go into a, te- a math test and you, you know, put Jesus down for every answer. Dude, that would save that would have dude, saved me so much. What I am saying <laughs> is that we have all these questions and we're looking for answers. We should always look to Christ. Mm-hmm. And it's it's amazing how often he has answers. And I think some I think there's people, you know, there are atheists and things that think that a guy who lived two thousand years ago, these types of things, that he has no application today. Mm-hmm. And I think that's complete foolishness. Oh yeah, and and I'm also continually just learning the importance of the work of the Spirit in the hearts of believers, and I think that especially today, there's a lot of focus in um, pockets of Christianity on doing things here and now. And I think that that's not all bad. I think that that can be really important and good. Um, the Spirit's work is now and is long-term and is, you know, working it. Not It's it's going to be, you know, brought to fruition to the end in eternity when we're glorified with Christ. I just think it's really important to to be thankful that, our identities aren't in something fickle. Mm. 
but that if we're trusting in Christ, we know who he is, that we are part of his flock, that he watches over us, that he's going to lead us in the way everlasting. And so trusting in that, I think that that changes the way that you interact with culture, the way that you interact with identity. You know, I, I would, I'd like to read just a, another verse that kind of echoes what we were, what, what the first verse was. And, um, just this, this idea, uh, here it is. This is uh first Corinthians 12, 12 and 13 for just as the body is one and as many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body. So it is with Christ for in one spirit, We were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. And I think it's worth meditating, just realizing Mm. he says slaves or free. The body of Christ, you know, that's, that's not even, yeah, it's not an ethnicity. It's not a gender. It's. It's literally just, you know, a status. And I, it's clearly just an identity of people as being either slave or being free. Yeah. And that those things are completely thrown off in the light of Christ, in his work, in these people, uniting them and baptizing them through his spirit into one body. Uh, I just think that's beautiful. Mm. So. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was thinking as you're saying that, uh, I attended a, a UCB event a couple weeks ago. It was about Native Americans, and they had a Native American. He's a former Catholic. I, as far as from the vibe I got, he talked about religion. He, he's irreligious now, or he at least believes in like the folk religions of the Native American tribe he came from. Um, so it's a tribe in Mexico and Arizona, not Pueblo. It's another tribe. I don't know which one it is, so I'm not going to say, but yeah. And he stressed a lot of, this was a speaker at the ECPN, he stressed a lot about um, identity and it's kind of perfect timing in, in trying to do research for this episode. He really stressed, you know, how through boarding schools, how in a really in an evil way, and he's, he's right about this, mm-hmm. natives were... They were taught. They were taught to abandon their native identities, to to cut their hairs short, to stop doing powwows, to to dress like white people, and you know behave in white ways and different different things like that. Which I think anyone, you know, Christians especially, should should look at and and view negatively as as evil and sinful behavior of stripping them of that identity. But as he was talking, he, he talked about the value that we have in, in the ancestors, you know, you're just the people you d- you're descended from. And at the end of the event, he stressed about you know, how much value there is in the way that his ancestors treated earth and all of these things. And when I'm, you know, being a history major, I was like, well, Native Americans did, in the tribe we talked about, they, they did a lot of terrible things. You know, they fought each other, they raped each other's women, they murdered women and children, 
they sacrificed themselves to false gods and idols and worshipped false gods and disobeyed God's law and all these things. And it's like thinking as a white person, you know, where's my identity? You know, if I, to find the identity he's telling me to look for, I'm looking at England, you know, Sussex. Then I'm looking at probably descendants of a Germanic tribe. I'm looking at the Germanic people in mainland Europe. And then I'm thinking about what they did. You know, they did the same things. They sacrificed humans to false gods and idols. They raped and murdered and pillaged villages and worshipped a false god and did countless awful things. So I asked him, I'm like, where do you, where do you draw the line? Like, how far back do I need to go? Because, you know, obviously then it keeps getting smaller and smaller and we're becoming more and more connected. And it became abundantly clear to me that saying that you're putting your identity in your ancestors is basically saying you're putting your identity in 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 Adam. You know, you go back far enough, we're all descendants of Adam. So the big story for the Christian is not to put your identity in, in the past and history and those that became before you. You know, there might be good things that you want to identify with within those. Like as maybe a Protestant immigrant, maybe you had a really faithful grandma in your family or a faithful grandpa. You can really identify with them and be like, hey, this is dope. But that doesn't really mean anything for you right now. And as you're, as you're digging back, you know, we're all descended from Adam. And you know what the Bible says about Adam? In Adam, all die. Mm. There's no value in putting all of our identity and trust in the past in that way. And really the only remedy, the only solution is Jesus, as Ethan was talking about. And the thing that that UCB, the the thing that modern-day identity politics and leftist Protestantism, what they do is they fail to recognize Christ as the ultimate reconciler. There's no way for you to get rid of all of these racial divisions outside of him, outside of Christ. And the way that is done is through salvation. And we can come up with all these temporary band-aids but the band-aids we're using are just feces. They're going to affect the wound even more. They're going to create even more divisions. And I think the, the ripple effects of identity politics that we've seen over the last few decades only show that that's exactly what it's serving as. It's not a real solution. So I guess to kind of close my thoughts on that, it's the solution cannot be a secular solution. It needs to come from Christ and the solution then isn't that, oh, let's look at all the verses about reconciliation and apply it to race. Because all those verses are talking about us reconciling ourselves to God, not to each other. So we need to look at reconciliation at places like Bethel, not through the lens of secular identity politics, but look at them through the lens of the gospel and through Jesus. That that unity and unification in Christ is the only thing that can actually solve these problems. Yeah. So that that really convicted me personally. So, bro, that was really good. Thanks, bro. Uh, I had Shylin's sh- song, "In Adam All <laughs> Die," "In Adam All Die." Song stuck in my head, bro. Ex- <laughs> well, and that's exactly that's exactly it. Mm-hmm. And this is what Paul speaks of. He speaks of this in Romans, mm. and he talks about how this is the way Adam was, and Adam all fell. And Adam all die. Mm-hmm. And Hebrews 
teaches us that um, as we look back in the past, there are all these types and shadows that were pointing towards you know, this great mystery, or I forget exactly how it says it, but mm-hmm. essentially there are things in the Old Testament that are pointing to Christ. And Adam is clearly one of those because the second Adam is Christ. And so while mm. our identity, our identity was in Adam, those by faith are brought into identity in Christ. And that is it's just awesome. So let me, this will close my, mm-hmm. my, th- my last thoughts and we can end here, I think. Oh, yeah. This is Romans 5, 9 uh, and on. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Now. Amen. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin was not counted where there was no law. And it goes on and on here. But 15, but the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, Adam, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace and that of one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. (laughs) Very nice. Yeah, um, that's that's all I had to share. Um, I guess to close and just in precautionary measures, um, in case the mob comes after us. Uh you, <laughs> me. Yeah, all it's yes. it's it's it wasn't supposed to be. You already, I think, Gary said this wasn't supposed to be super common knowledge that uh that UCB is trying to break from United Cultures Bethel. No, trying to break from BSG. But uh, I think you're saying it's important that people know that. I think it's important people know that. Um, and not that many people listen to us, so it's like... Yeah, it doesn't matter anyways. Um, <laughs> our own echo chamber. Yeah, our own echo now. chamber. For now. For now. I, I, like I said, though, if, if you disagree, I would love to have a meal with you. Um, Definitely. Be sick. I'm working on being more social, too. So <laughs> it'd be nice. But yeah, just just uh, clear up things. Um, I don't think that... I think that the the goal and aim of, of UCB and, and a lot of times for Christians who who identify themselves with secular means of attaining really just ends, I think their their heart's in the right place. And it's just the way they're going about it is ungodly and it's not reflective of the gospel or, or truth. So I, I, I definitely see value. I mean, your race, your identity, those things impact you today. I'm not going to deny that. Um, it, it's a fact that an African-American is more likely to die at the hands of a police officer. There, there are systematic issues. We might disagree on the level to which they're systematic, but the fact remains there is some issues. And racism is, exists. As a white man, I'm not going to experience the same things that a black person does. I live in the majority culture. But that doesn't give you more value than me. And it doesn't give you more. It doesn't give me more value than you. And I just think, as as Christians, we should seek to solve these issues in light of the truth, 
the truth. And yeah, I think racial reconciliation, I think all these things outside of the buzzwords are really good things that we should pursue. And I think Ethan, you agree hundred percent, right? Yeah. I think these are things that we should just strive to attain, strive to attain to. Mm -hmm. But I think you will all, I'm not, not, I think I'll tell you right now, you're going to fail trying to accomplish these secular means outside of Christ. Mm -hmm. It's never going to last. Yep. And so we have just trust in Christ, trust in Christ for your salvation, trust in Christ to um, continue to work his sovereign plan in this Mm -hmm. world. Know that he's king right now, reigning over us, and his will will be done. Mm. And he's going to accomplish these good things that we desire in our hearts, you know, these these good things of bringing people that look different together under in, in one body, many mm. different parts, one body being Christ. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. all I have to say. That's all I have to say to you. Uh, this has been episode 13. Thanks for listening. I just want to make sure we end it on us. Just to be careful. I thought it was really good, bro. I, that's what I've been really thinking about with like Shailen's song and also just like. That's just, that's what I, that's that what I. Got I me, bro. I like, that got me too, bro, when I was thinking about that.